Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Happiness Initiative. So we're going to talk about next. Simon Liao is the lead researcher and co-founder of the Happiness Initiative here in Singapore. They've just done a landmark study on Singapore's happiness and found five key things that have come out in this survey. Let's go to him now. Simon, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Neil. Hi, Hi, and, and you're happy. Yeah, today. a great morning to all the listeners. <laughs> it's, it's great to have a happy guy to you talk know. about the happiness. <laughs> well, no other way to do it, right? Right, absolutely. And, yeah. and Simon, tell us about this uh, this new research you've done. What what is it? Yeah. Yeah, we, you, so this research has been inspired by the World Happiness Report. If mm. we know the World Happiness Report, right, is usually released on the 20th of March every, uh, like, uh, every year. Mm-hmm. And that coincides with the, Indi- uh, the International Day of Happiness. So that report is about macro predictors of what makes uh, a country happy. So we wanted to find out what are predictors at individual level. So that's why we were motivated by... Uh, you know, to do that study. It's the mm. first one and we intend to do it every year. So what were the key right. findings, Simon? I mean, I know there are five. Yeah. Maybe you could go through in detail the five key factors yeah. that make Singaporeans ha- happy or unhappy. List, list the five first altogether and then and then yeah. we can talk about individual yeah. ones. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there were five, right? Uh, two broad baskets. The first basket is about social demographic factors. Right, these are factors that are usually not so changeable, or you can't change at all. The other uh, basket would be factors like psychological, social factors that we can change. The first, so these five are divided into these two baskets. The first two, which are you know um, these uh, social demographic factors, that are not so changeable. They are um, sexual orientation and uh, household income. Mm. These are strong predictors of our happiness. The other three factors, which are psychological, social factors that are more changeable, are purpose, perseverance, and people having social support. So we use the three P's, so easy for us to remember. <laughs> purpose, perseverance, and people, right? Yeah, so these are the five factors. Fascinating. And when you look at, yeah. uh, when you look at the, the purpose, for example, what, what does that actually mean? Yes. People have a job to go to every day, they have something or kids to take care of or whatever. What, what is that? What does purpose look yeah. like? Because we, we yeah. know that people that, for example, retirees that don't have a purpose after they retire often suffer <laughs> psychologically. So we know yes. that purpose is important. What does that look like in, yeah. in terms of this? Yes. So like purpose, right, could be something very individual at an individual level. It could be like earning uh, an income, climbing a corporate ladder, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like doing something for your family. You know, it could extend outwards or having a stronger sense of purpose for the community. It doesn't matter at which level. Perhaps there are differences, but we didn't go into it. As long as you have a sense of purpose, that you know, that central goal in your life, that your whole life revolves around, right? That kind of gives you a certain strong anchor. Mm. You know, it gives you a sense of satisfaction, uh, that, that sense of, uh, you know, you, you, you tend to evaluate your life as better when you have that anchor in your life, right? When we lose our anchor, and a big part of it, usually when people, job do give us a strong anchor, and when we do lose our job at some point in our life, right? that could be quite a traumatic experience for many people. Yeah. 
I mean, Simon, yeah. I like the way you mentioned there are some things we can't fix in the sense that you can't choose where you're born. You know, it's the luck of the lottery, right, where you're born. And obviously you've got examples here. Rwanda would be an obvious example. Their happiness index is near the bottom. Tough country, often a Mm. war-torn country, poverty issues and so on. And then you've got somewhere like Finland near the top, wealthy, affluent, good education, good health care and so on. Two things. Where does Singapore factor now roughly in that list? And secondly, does it match... Because the thing about mm. Singapore is we have the healthcare, we have the education, we have yeah. affluence, and yet we're often lower down the ranking. So where are we now? Yeah. So, see, Finland is top. Okay, yeah. for many years, Finland has always been top. So this is World Happiness Report, right? Finland has always been top. Rwanda has about always among the bottom. And most of the African countries are about, you know, at a lower one-third that, you know, if you tear it right into three segments, they're usually the bottom one third. And Rwanda is about ranked 150th on, out of 153 countries. So Singapore is usually ranked about last year, 2020, we were ranked 31st. 2021, the latest report, we are ranked 32nd. But no difference because the data was based on 2020 data. They do not collect data every year, they average out over three years. So Singapore is about 31st. Now, what is interesting is this. The World Happiness Report also try to find predictors of a country's happiness. They have six predictors. GDP, healthy life expectancy, and integrity of government, right? And there are three more. But these top three, GDP, healthy life expectancy, and integrity of government, right? Singapore are ranked first or second. So we top the list. We top almost out of 153 countries, we are either first or second. So we should, on average, be high. Mm. But yet, why did we rank 31st overall out of 153 countries, right? Because there were three factors that we were not doing so good, right? Uh, freedom to make life choices. We were ranked 14th right, out of 153 countries. Social support, having someone to turn to in terms of need, we are ranked 37th. So that can't push us down, right? The last factor is generosity. Generosity, we are ranked 57 <laughs> wow. of 153 countries. Wow. And that kind of, yes, that's kind of like we have top, you know, we have factors that we are doing really well, but we have factors that on, on a, at a country level, we are not doing so well when compared to other countries, right? right? So that, in a way, pulled the ranking down. So that has always been hmm. something that inspired me, right, and us at Happiness Initiative. What could we do then? You know, if there are things at the national level that we can't do, right, are there things that we can do to kind of make ourselves happier or help to, you know, make the whole community happier? Okay, well, let's go through those briefly, uh, Simon, and what we can do. Take the generosity one. I'm curious about that because we rank so poorly. What do they, how do they define generosity? What are we doing that's not good? And what can we do to make it better? Okay, so what they did is this. So interestingly, so interestingly for generosity is have you donated, you know, in the past month? Right. You know, have you donated to someone in the past month? And what they did is that based on whether you have donated or not, they do correct it for how much income the country is earning. So right. they do a bit of correction. Like, so assuming Singapore have the highest, uh, top, we rank second in our GDP, right? Mm. So we should technically you know, if we have a certain proportion of people donating, that's normal because we have high GDP. But compared to a poorer country, whereby they have low GDP, if they have the same proportion of people donating, 
then after the correction, that country would rank higher because they have already done the correction for GDP. Right. So, so when they look at uh, generosity, they, they are basically looking at whether we have donated uh, you know, our income to, to someone to a lesser, uh, to someone less uh, fortunate. Uh, yeah. And there is that correction of a GDP. So even though we could be earning a lot of money, we may not be as generous as you know, a poorer country with lower GDP, but mm. more the, most of the people would generally would want to help someone in need. Yeah. Talking to Simon Liao, the lead researcher and co-founder of the Happiness Initiative, uh, talking about a new study uh, finding five key predictors uh, that affect our happiness and playing off that uh, you just mentioned, Simon, the two of those sociodemographic factors were household income. Uh, for example, the respondents said that they're more likely to report a higher life evaluation if they make more money. I yeah. guess that's not totally unexpected. Mm-hmm. But also the yeah. one on sexual orientation I thought mm-hmm. was was interesting yeah. as well, uh, that someone who is bisexual or homosexual would report a lower life evaluation. Uh, it's a conservative yeah. society we live in. Um, you yeah. know, still some stigma in certain circles attached to those lifestyle choices. What did you find between the how much money you make and what your sexual orientation, how did that play into the survey? Yeah. yeah. So one, one of the things I, what I mean in our interaction with the, the LGBTQ community, right? We know that generally based on anecdotal experience, they are less happier, you know, and we wanted to find out, is it true? You know, if we do a survey and we ask people for their sexual orientation, do we see a trend? And indeed, based on this report, even though the, 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 the numbers are small, right? Because out of whole population, we do only have that proportion of people who have declared that these, these are their sexual orientation. While the numbers are small, but yet they are still significant. Uh, there are significant, there are the statistical significance in it. It means to say that if you are homosexual, or bisexual, you are actually less happier in terms of life evaluation than your heterosexual counterpart. Why is that so? A hypothesis, one possible hypothesis could be, it could be certain discrimination that they're facing. We are not know for sure. We haven't done any tests, but that could possibly be, uh, you know, one hypothesis that, yeah. yeah. And, and the, the uh, household income, uh, which yes. I thought, you know, when it was increased from $1,500 to $2,500 a month, the person would also become happier. I guess that yes. sort of makes sense. But is, is Singapore too focused on that household income number? Uh, see, we, we look at both household income and personal income, right? We realize the household income is more predictive of one's happiness. And perhaps, and I think perhaps, the reason is if, you know, we are part of a household, even though we earn a lot of money, mm. but if our household has got certain burdens, we do feel, you know, burdened by it. And we, you know, sure. we have to part, part of our, our personal income. Mm. And I think uh, from that, uh, my, my, my quick understanding is that why household income is more predictive? Because uh, most of us are part of a household and we feel that we do have to contribute. So household income tends to be more predictive. And based on your question, whether are we uh, too caught up by household income, I think based on if we look at the World Happiness Report, uh, let's now go back to a much broader report, the World Happiness Report, right? I see there are two factors. There are certain basic needs that have to be met 
right? And once the basic needs have, are met already, then you move on to another level. The other level are what we call like, it could be more, uh, you know, like having that sense of purpose, you know, having that greater sense of purpose, having that greater sense of community. Uh, and I think there are these two levels that, uh, broadly speaking, I think we need to meet a basic level of our needs. Mm. But beyond that, once basic level needs are met, we need something else. Right. And I do see that we may have people who have not met basic needs. That's why, uh, you know, having an increase in household income will help them meet those basic needs. Sure. But meeting those basic needs are not sufficient to yeah. make someone, you know, having that greater life evaluation. And you look, need something else. And look, Simon, no one is underestimating the importance of household income, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, particularly during COVID. You know, we've all had our incomes hit one way or another. So, of course, it's a, an important issue. What I wanted to ask you, do you have a, a rough demographic breakdown between generations? In other words, do, do the younger generations view happiness and what they want to be happy in a different way? I only have anecdotal evidence, but as many people know, I live out in Senkang, Pongal, which is predominantly younger families who have clearly made a lifestyle choice where happiness to them is cycling with their kids on park connectors at the weekends or scooting with their kids or skating or skateboarding, whatever. <laughs> there is anecdotally a change in what people value and what people want across generations. Is that something you saw? Uh, what we did in our report, because our report were predominantly youth, we have about close to about 60% youth right, in our report oh. here. So based on the demo, uh, youth as in 35 and younger, right? So I think uh, I, we did not do a study whereby we compare what the, our youth wants and what, you know, a different generation, like above 35, what they want. Mm. We did not do that. Uh, but this report, in a way, because if we have like two-third youth and one-third non-youth, and yet uh, among these two groups of people, uh, there are three things that stood out, right? Things that they could change. Uh, purpose, perseverance, and having people. So we think that, um, you know, it cuts across. There are these three important things that do cut across generation. Um, regarding, is there a difference? Uh, we are not sure. That is something that we love to find out. Whether, you know, someone who's younger and someone who is of a different generation, are there differences in what they want to pursue in their life? What gives them different purpose? But at the end of the day, having purpose is important, mm. but what kind of purpose? You know, does your younger generation have a different kind of purpose and your, yeah. your elderly generation have a different purpose? That we are not sure. Yeah, yeah but having purpose is, is important. Yeah, very interesting. Thank you, Simon, for, uh, for this uh, a look into factors that make us happy in Singapore. Uh, if you would, Simon, please go ahead and put uh, some links, any links that you want to about the report or the Happiness Initiative in our Facebook Live uh, chat page uh, so the folks want to yeah. learn more, they can. Uh, in the meantime, thanks to Simon Liao, uh, head uh, lead researcher, co-founder of the Happiness Initiative. Great to have you on Saturday mornings on Money FM today. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.